This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Welcome to another week on the program as we kick off your Monday right here. Oh, a new month as well. We're uh, into October by a couple of days, third day of it. Welcome to you and Ramya Muthan. Hello. Yeah, it is a new month, but because we're a couple days in, um, I'm still... It already feels old? It's not old, but feels like I'm still writing September or November. Is it yes. October? You know, I'm kind of skipping it. Yeah, first work day, though. So you're going to do all that stuff. And say, oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful weather. And it reminded me of when I was a kid into my, what, I'd say probably 20, as technology changed and things became more digital, all the old analog cameras, TV cameras. I remember being at events and turning to my, my father, especially at sports events, we'd go to and say, oh. Oh, we're near the TV camera. And he'd say, what are you talking? Oh, and he'd look up and there's the guy stationed up above, especially at like Blue Jay games or if I went to something like that and the news was, was there. Be, oh, I wonder what they're here for. What? And would look up and oh, there they are. I could hear the high-pitched noise. And my father would ask, how do you know? I said, you can hear the high-pitched noise of the camera. Oh, uh, well, of course, his view was he was at the age where that bit of hearing, that sensitivity was gone. And I understood when people say, as a blind person, do you actually have more sensitive hearing? And of course, Ramya, we always say, no, well, maybe a little more acute because we rely on it more. But that was one of those things that I recall thinking, I wonder how many of my other low vision friends or sighted friends actually could hear that noise if they paid attention. A lot of time, no one would ever pay attention or even remotely connect it unless they had that knowledge mm. of the technology, had been around cameras. And knew that, but that was one of those things that now that we've, we've moved into such a heavy digital era and that, that's a long thing, time thing of the past, I don't hear that. So, of course, you get thinking, oh, I'm around a camera. Does that simply mean I just don't hear as well anymore? Uh, but, of course, we know it's the change. Um, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, hearing Mm-mm. that kind of sound. No. No, I don't think so. At least I can't identify what well, it is that you and, and by the time you would have been around cameras and stuff, they were all digital. Pretty much. Like, that's the thing. But, I mean, certain things kind of feel nostalgic, certain sounds, but not to the degree of um, having remembered this is... Because you've said this kind of stuff before, you know, about VCR or cassette tapes or whatever, and just be able to Even so easily right? identify. You, you exactly. could hear the high-pitched noise in a TV, which is what told me it was a TV camera, of course. Right. And, and, and I'd say, oh, well, that's the same noise I hear from our TV at home. Mm-hmm. But that stopped years ago. I, I have, yeah. and of course, at first I thought, oh my God, I can't. Now the, <laughs> I guess the I'm things we'd be able to, now the things we'd be able to identify are probably like the the sounds of the swipe, uh, yeah. the sound that the swipe makes on your Samsung when you hit yes. the button. Yes, or even sometimes I find, and I don't know if it's the TV itself or just because we have so many up on the wall, the shifting that, that it does, either the wall or, or the TV itself, you'll hear those little little slight noises uh-huh. in some of them and you just what's yes. that is something wrong it's are my next to hear smash hope not i hope not let's see what's coming up today here on kelly and company brock richardson of the neutral zone he'll be here with his weekly sports update for us 
Ardra Shepard is uh, brings her blog, Tripping on Air, to the podcast Airways, where she spills the tea on what it's really like to live with MS, multiple sclerosis. And we're going to learn more about the podcast with Ardra when she joins us on the show. An interesting story, creating interesting conversation north and south of the border, folks, coming up for you. A shop teacher in Ontario who identifies as trans has been the topic of much media attention recently. Danielle McLaughlin discusses the controversy that uh, arose over her physical appearance later on in Hour 2 of Kelly and Company. Okay, I want to throw this at you, folks. Not a pleasant story, so let's get it out of the way. An iPhone alerted first responders of a deadly car crash. The crash detection feature has been touted as an important safety feature of the new iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, and officials in Nebraska say the smartphone did just that. Police say after a Honda Accord slammed into a tree near Lincoln, a passenger's iPhone detected the impact and called first responders. The new iPhones and some Apple Watch models will automatically call for help after a collision if the owner does not respond within 20 seconds. The cause of this crash is still under investigation, but officials say all six occupants of the car all in their 20s died. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Horrible accident and of course feelings and hearts go out to all those affected and all of us feeling, my gosh, what a horrible thing to happen. Rummy, I brought this to our attention because we spoke of this of course with Mike Fair and our other tech uh, contributors of late on the program. Yeah, absolutely. The crash detection was one that we talked about with Mike Fair um, a little bit and with John Beeler extensively because some of these features, the SOS kind of um, feel in the watches and the iPhones and all of these different devices, um, even with the Find My features getting bigger and better with the AirPods, I find to be really, really helpful, like just on so many practical and medical uh, levels, right? Oh, so true. And having the stuff to be able to do deal with the medical, being able to get stuff to doctors and that who who are so busy that it becomes a problem for you getting appointments. But if somebody is in an issue that they want you to monitor, you can have that support from your medical people. But this here, absolutely uh, vital. And right off the bat, we're mm-hmm. we're seeing it's a really wonderful update. Rum, I didn't give you a lot of time here. Do you want to pick up that piece of information that you have or should we pass it on a little later on? Uh, Let me just give people a heads up because Mayor John Tory, as it is the start of October, uh, has proclaimed National Disability Awareness Month, NDAM, in Toronto for the fourth year in a row. That's October is, uh, is the month that's being marked. And this is helping the conversation about disability inclusion going. And they're saying that progress is at a very crucial tipping point. So this year's proclamation, they say, is helping... Uh, send a powerful message that while disability inclusion is driving the future of work more than ever before, including in Ontario's largest city, Toronto, awareness needs to be heightened again after uh, two years of businesses in Toronto being focused on, you know, uh, fixing and upgrading and building after the economic effects of COVID-19. So disability inclusion is driving change. It's becoming a key factor in business success more than ever before. And it's time for companies across Toronto to refocus on their inclusion goals and make sure that disability is part of this business proclamation about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. So this is a message that uh, was sent out to us, and we hope that we can get some more conversations about this on Kelly and Company and across the network because it's a big deal. And I, I do appreciate that value of, you know, we understand 
that there was a lot of stuff going on in the last two years, but let's not put inclusion on the back burner just because of that. We've seen it, in, unfortunately, in a lot of cases. I even know of people who have lost jobs, who were in jobs and funding was there to support to get those jobs started. They had vali- valid jobs at organizations, but up there with the first cuts when it came time to say we have to scale back due to everything going on. So we want this conversation continued. Uh, we'll step aside for just a moment when we return. Coming up next on our Tech Talk, Michael Babcock reviews announcements and updates that happened last week in Amazon's event. We'll get into that after this. When you want to reach out to Kelly and Company, easy to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Give us a call, maybe 1-866-509-4545 is that number, 1-866-509-4545. If you wouldn't mind, mention that it's for Kelly and Company, and also give us permission to use your message. If we can, we shall on air. On Twitter, at AMI-audio, if you just want to follow along, see what's going on with the program, with other shows, and just keep up. At AMI-audio, best direct way to do that on Twitter. Feedback at ami.ca, the message uh, that Ramya just read out, that information. You can send stuff like that to us, to Accessible Media Inc. Just do it there. Feedback at ami.ca. The Marketing and Communications Department would appreciate it. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. We have some tech events, some demo updates, and some interesting initiatives going on that we all want to talk about. So let's bring on Michael Babcock for our Tech Talk. It's time for Talking Tech with Michael, bringing you a shot of technology news to get your week going with sprinkles of assistive technology. Michael, lots going on. Maybe we should start with an update from Amazon. They had an event last Wednesday, so can we review what was announced? Yeah, so so we definitely can. And uh, I'm going to give you guys a quick warning and I will ask you guys a question after I go over some of these. So so uh, hopefully you're paying attention. No, it's not a pop quiz. So don't worry <laughs> about that. Amazon had an event last Wednesday that kind of threw some people off. It, it threw me off because I didn't hear about it until I was listening to Daily Tech News Show. One of the podcasts I leverage to keep up to date with what's going on on technology. And they started talking about an Amazon event. I'm like, where was I when this happened? And apparently I was, I don't know, working, you know, so so doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon released a new fifth generation Echo Dot. These are $49.95. Uh, is where they start out US, $59.95 for the Echo Dot clock. And one of the things about the Echo Dot is there's going to be better audio included in it. So it's going to have twice the bass, it says, and uh, as I said, better audio, better volume. Um, And and on the clock itself, you can view additional information. So maybe you want to hear who's playing this audio book, or who's this audio book by, or who's this music by. You'll have those details, uh, countdown timer details on the clock, and you'll also be able to, of course, I don't know, see the time on the clock as well. Hopefully that part of it will be accessible. I haven't had a chance to play with it. But the really intriguing thing that I 
I am excited about, but I'm also torn about because we have a Eero mesh system for our home Wi-Fi internet, which is great because you put these uh, different little pucks around your house and it covers your house in Wi-Fi. Well, the new Echo Dots, and this will be rolled back to, I believe, only the fourth, uh, fourth edition of the Echo Dots, is you can now use your Echo Dots as Wi-Fi extender points. So if right. you have an Echo Dot in a corner that may not have the best internet, of course, you're going to need a little bit of internet, but but let's say you have it in the corner and, and the rest of that room doesn't have a good internet, this will extend that Wi-Fi out. I'm a little concerned that it's only 100 Mbps. Granted, my internet's not a, a, a much faster than that itself, but I'm concerned about is that going to slow down the whole network? And I don't have that answer for you. Uh, but it is super exciting that they are doing this as well. There was a slight update to the Echo Studio. Uh, there was a Fire TV update. So they released a 65-inch for $799 and a 75-inch for uh $1,099 US dollars. And these are app, uh, Apple, Amazon TVs with Amazon's built-in assistant and interface that you just plug in your TV, turn it on, connect it to the Wi-Fi, and you're good to go. Chances are they are going to be accessible because the Fire TV Cube does have a screen reader built in. Uh, two more things I want to mention. The Kindle Scribe which is what's called e-ink. Uh, it'll last, the, the, the time frame that someone said was between three and 11 weeks, because, you know, that's not a big difference. In <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, but that is the e-ink. I don't know about accessibility with this. It, it, it's more for people to doodle or to draw on um, and to be able to read books on, I believe, as well. That's going to come in at about 330 US dollars. Uh, you can handwrite sticky notes in Kindle books which my wife would love. Oh, that's uh, so, lovely. Yeah, cuz then if you you come across something you're like I want to I want to take note of this. You can go back yeah. and see all of your sticky notes uh not necessarily associated with the book but with all the books that you're reading. So if you have, you know, 10 sticky notes across five books in your library, you'll be able to see all those in one places. Uh now here's the question for you guys because this is one of the things that I am torn on. Uh, they have now released a product called Halo Rise, and it is a sleep tracker, a light, so it can turn on in the morning, and a smart alarm. It doesn't require any apps, it doesn't require batteries, but it also doesn't have cameras. It's designed to track your sleep and you put it in your room on a nightstand. It can determine uh, the closest person to the Halo Rise itself and monitor sleeping on that uh, for that specific person. Even if there are two people in the bed, it can definitely uh, keep track of one person. And it monitors your sleep stages and uh, you can also have it so it triggers the uh, like smart assistant routines like dim your lights or close your blinds and stuff like that based on when you get in bed. So my question, uh, and we'll start with Romeo on the go to Kelly, is is this something you would be interested in having in your room? Because I'm a little torn on it. I'm not sure, even though there's no camera, that I want Amazon mm. tracking my sleeping. 
Oh, that's interesting because I was going to say I'm not sure if I want this because I don't know if it, it'll be accurate enough because it's not doing enough of my tracking. You know, like the yeah. wearables and such, they're they're taking in so much information. Granted, that's also a problem, right? But if we're looking at it from the benefit side, they're taking in so much information that the accuracy feels like you don't really need to question it because it's on mm-hmm. you. It's, you know, determining a lot more than just sound. So... When I think of uh, something like this, it feels a bit a bit more like a downgrade in that perspective. Can I really accurately uh, rely on this information? And is it really just taking, what if my partner snores like crazy and they're sleeping right. on the opposite side? Like all these questions, right? And of course, for the privacy side of it, you would say, I would prefer something like this over another thing tracking me. But then again, you just mentioned Amazon's still tracking all your activity. <laughs> yep. Uh, the privacy area, uh, maybe, but I don't really think I have any use for it. I mean, when the, the, to me, it's it's only meant to make sure that stuff gets turned off, the blind gets shut, so you don't roll over in the sun in the morning, oh, you know, or whatever. <laughs> the, it, it seems to be just so that when you're too sleepy and the things that you tend not to do end up sleeping with something playing all night uh, because you forgot to put your sleep timer on, the mm-hmm. different things like that, it, that's to me what it seems to be most responsible for or I can see the use for. So, no, nah, it doesn't interest me. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm I'm also curious about what do you do with sleep tracking data? Like, you know when you don't sleep good. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn about that, too. Although I will say I do track my sleep with my Apple Watch. So yeah. But I think a... you're going to get more of that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rum, because uh, I think you've played around with this stuff quite a bit. Uh, you're going to get more through your, your watch or, or a tracking to get the more, quote, medical-related stuff. That's how I feel. And I honestly think that this is such a subjective question simply because it depends so much on your lifestyle and why you would want to care about your sleep. I have friends who sleep very uh, poorly most nights and they appreciate just even knowing that they had one REM cycle and then trying to backtrack and say, okay, what did I eat that night? Did I drink that night? Was I really active that day? And then trying to, uh, you know, figure it out. Whereas I sleep soundly most nights. So I'm thinking, okay, great. Another night of good sleep. Yeah, I didn't even I, think about the backtracking feature of, mm-hmm. of checking what did I eat the day before, what did I do the day before, because that would be a good use of the sleep data that you oh, capture. Yeah. Oh, sure. Especially, well, so is when you wake up with a stomach ache and say, "What the heck did I <laughs> eat? Damn, how many gummy bears? Oh, oh no. man, what did I do? Oh, those uh, suicide chicken wings. Oh, they're terrible." <laughs> you know? Um, sir, uh, what products interest you from this event anyway? Uh, yourself. Yeah, I want to pick up some of the new Echo Dot and uh, play with those. We have the third generation, maybe the second generation. I think it's the third one. It's whatever the last flat ones were, not the ball-shaped ones. Uh, so I want to pick some of those up mm, to play with them, is my excuse, you know, for, for work purposes, of course. And uh, I'm, I'm also interested in the TV, but we do have multiple TVs, so I don't think that I'm going to use the TV itself. And, and that's a little steep just to go pick one up. Okay. Well, this is a really uh, insightful conversation. Now, moving on to another service used by blind and low vision people all over the place. Ira, they're looking for uh, beta testers. Mm-hmm. And we want to know, before we get into Ira looking for and what specifics they're looking for, can you tell us what a beta tester is? 
So a beta tester is someone who tests software to provide feedback, well, tests software or products to provide feedback to the developer of the software or product so that they can improve the experience for when it's actually released. And we often mention beta when we're talking about software, but sometimes you get beta hardware as well. Um, and so it's the, the version that comes out prior to the actual live version that goes out to the general public. It probably will have bugs or issues. So don't expect it to always work as well as you ex as well as you might think for the actual product. So you do need to be willing to deal with bugs or or problems when you're trying to get your stuff done. It's interesting to see what they might be looking to improve upon and how or what things they maybe it's to get practice for them doing live description stuff or some of something. Uh, who are they actually looking for? Yeah, so the IRA team actually, when they released the IRA on blind shell and they also released IRA desktop, both of those interfaces have a very similar feel about them uh, because what they're trying to do is make it so if they make an update to the app, it's not something updated on the iPhone this month. It'll be available by the end of the year on Android. It'll be something we made an update. It's available on all of our platforms. So they're looking for people who may be using iPhone, maybe using Android. Android, who may just want to use Ira on the desktop, but someone who can provide the feedback to say, hey, I can't see my, my usage, for example, or I can't find this information. And of course, that also means someone who can clearly communicate issues or uh, things that they like that they have found while testing out the software. Mm. What will the beta test help Ira do? Yeah, so in the announcement, they stated that Ira is excited to announce that they are working on a beta for iOS and Android and evolving the applications. Uh, they are looking to use some of the same technologies. So updates are available on all of the same devices and that you have the same functionality. So Ira is looking to get feedback to be able to test uh, these new updates to the applications and provide uh, uh, detailed explanations of your experience with the Ira apps. Awesome. Fantastic, sir. Uh, let's move on to the updates to NVDA, which have had some recent updates announced. What can we, uh, us, the users, expect with these updates? Yeah, so the big thing is NVDA 2020.3RC1. Uh, RC is release candidate. That means if nothing else changes, then this will be the new version of NVDA. And most users can update to this version and try it out. Uh, there are no issues or compatibility problems with the add-ons for NVDA. So that's one of the big things. And they're, they're going ahead and they're trying to make sure that everything, again, is ready for the general public. Another uh, release, which typically they only release one update, but they did release two updates to this version, NVDA 2022.2.4, uh, which of course, I uh, gotta, gotta love those version numbers. But this is uh, a security update, very encouraged for people to update to this uh, because it does fix some of the security issues and it will also work with the new version of 2022.3 coming out. And lastly, again, there are no known compatibility issues with add-ons, so you don't have to worry about your add-ons not working with these updates. Um, and what I recommend is just do the NVDA key plus N to open the menu for your NVDA and then 
check for updates so you can make sure that you have the latest version on the software branch that you're using. Amazing. Well, it sounds like that dog needs you, Michael. Well, time's <laughs> up anyway, so it's good for the doggy. Uh, we'll wrap it there, and then maybe next time we'll talk about some of the training events coming up that the community can look forward to. Thank you. And we'll also talk a Google event that's coming up later this week. Excellent. That one we will know about. <laughs> Unlike the Amazon one we all Actually, have a great list. show. <laughs> Thanks. Michael Babcock joining us on Mondays for our weekly Tech Talk. Okay, folks, it's sports time. Brock Richardson from the Neutral Zone. He's, of course, host and producer. Uh, will be with us next for his weekly sports update. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And the repeat of the program, 10 p.m. Eastern. And if that's not good enough, first thing in the morning, you can start the day with us at 6 a.m. Eastern time, whichever way, whenever is best uh, for you to check out the program. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Our Monday show as we navigate through it, a lot of great things on the docket today to uh, get into in conversations. Let's uh, kick things from tech over to sports and welcome in host of the Neutral Zone and the producer on that program, Brock Richardson. As a former athlete, I eat, sleep, and breathe everything sports. I'm Brock Richardson. Join me every Monday for your weekly sports highlights and our take on the weekend action. A busy day for this man on the network as he's with us now and off to do the neutral zone. Uh, And you can uh, find that available via podcast as well as uh, on YouTube after they get the show together. So probably look for it tomorrow and catch it here on AMI-audio at 11 a.m. in the morning. Brock, welcome. And what is your leadoff? Before uh, I tell you about my leadoff item, I've got to give credit where credit is due because uh, last week, speaking of that podcast, we were able to get everything out at the same time as the broadcast. So look for that to continue at 11 a.m. It will be out all at the same time as Marco Follo, you know, works his butt off to try to get everything uh, posted. But we've got some good feedback over the last few weeks so thanks everybody here and all around the network for tuning in as we appreciate it uh guys i wish that i could be bringing you a different leadoff item one that i try to be more positive and i try to come on here and kick things off in a good note but today unfortunately i cannot do that uh fans uh felt the sting of tear gas as police fired canteens into an indonesian football stadium let's take a listen to the clip Distraught family members are struggling to comprehend the sudden loss of loved ones at a soccer match in East Java's Malang City that was watched only by hometown Arema FC fans because the organiser had banned visiting Persebaya Surabaya's supporters due to Indonesia's history of violent soccer rivalries. Police say 18 officers responsible for the firing of tear gas as well as security managers are being investigated. The crush was among the world's deadliest disasters ever at a sporting event. I'm Charles Diladesma. This I can't comprehend i i you know as a person who goes to various sporting events and other other events too i can't imagine going to an event 
and, you know, losing your life. And, you know, I think the investigation will learn more about this as time goes on. But what a tragic day for those uh, 18 families and others who were just affected by the whole situation. Terrible, terrible uh, visual scenes that I've seen over the weekend. Just, just an awful situation in a place where you would think, you know, I'm going to a safe place of a sporting event. And unfortunately, in this case, guys, it just wasn't the case. It's very upsetting to hear uh, not only that this was a tragedy, but one of the worst ones of sporting events in history. And the reason why is because my mind goes back to why people love sports and why we feel like we bond through sports and not only as, you know, communities of, of specific kinds of sports, but internationally, right? Like we get in and the, the friendly competition uh, is where we hopefully draw the line, but then there's the historical evidence of violence and um, riles and all of these different things. And just it is heartbreaking and very disheartening. And unfortunately, we don't know what this kind of impact will have on sports in uh, that part of the world and also th that kind of sport like you just these things are really hard to come back from mm. i think yeah it it's it's hard because fifa has banned the use of tear gas at these events these soccer games when things like this happen so it tells you that it's more common for the crowds to get out of hand there were no visiting fans allowed at this game so you say well what what is the home team crowd doing and then if the police officers were no the standard is don't don't use tear gas you'll you'll create a panic people hear the the, the bangs they think it's gunshots or something like that happening they start running as as people would they're not used to tear gas it's not every day someone comes in and hey how you doing um and when you hear of over 120 plus people like this this is just horrible and and i i hate to tag and I, I don't mean this the way it's going to come out. You know, you, you, I know that always was a concern for parents sending their teenage kids to concerts. Well, what if something happens and there's because we've seen that reflected? I'm sure this is a concern in other parts of the world more than necessarily here. And I hesitate saying that because I know there's uh, sports in, in the United States uh, where there can be a lot of that kind of activity go on where there's fights in the stands and you look on YouTube, you can see a lot of that stuff at the regular NFL games. It's we're, we're, but to this degree, to call, yeah, that's it's what it is. just heartbreaking. And family members who said, yes, yeah, yeah, boys, you can go. They, they, they've reflected how siblings and people being crushed. I don't know how you come back from this kind of thing. Um, or do we come back and move on and it just becomes, well, no, I think you need to be more careful when you go to these things. It's one thing to watch for people following you, harassing you, arguments. Now what? You got to watch for a riot that might likely break out. Yeah, I, it just set me to tears. It's 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 one of those things where you know because a situation like this happened, it's going to make people question whether or not to go to a sporting event. You yeah. know, and it, well, you know, I think it does over there. I mean, yeah, the reflections sure. were that hey, and with to say no visiting fans. Obviously, it's a regular item and. I don't understand yeah. that in sports. I don't want to understand that. It shouldn't no, be. I, and and you know what? We're not we're not supposed to comprehend this because it's it's 
it's not supposed to happen. And and I don't mean to you know put this on soccer, but soccer does have a, 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 a an you know, a an history. Image. Let's an image, like, a, like, yeah. like a rock concert would. And we know not every rock concert is this kind of thing happen. Yeah, and that, that's the word I was looking for, an image. And it's sad because not in this case, you know, you don't you don't see this and you, sh- you shouldn't see this. So very, very sad stuff uh, coming out of Indonesia and just unfortunate all around. I thought I would... Yeah. Uh, lighten it up a little bit here kelly i know you're a big uh, basketball guy um when you think of any coach what are some names that come to mind for you particularly mm. um nba coaches i would think um steve nash because he's canadian that that comes out and he's had so much to deal with in brooklyn but for me brock steve kerr is the one i always like to hear steve kerr uh, who is the coach for the Golden State Warriors? Doesn't uh, doesn't just talk basketball. Doesn't just coach well uh, and have this great team. Whenever he addresses media, whenever he salutes another team, every all those are components of what he does. He is the consummate to me, former player, knowledgeable coach, basketball uh, gentleman, and that's yeah. what I like. It's interesting because the name that you brought up, Steve Kerr, is the one that I wanted to focus on. And and his birthday was recently, and ESPN uh, released a bunch of really cool stuff that uh, I want to run over with you. Um, First of all, he played with young Shaq. Then he uh, three-peated with um, Michael, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. He hit an NBA Finals winning shot, won the three-point contest, won two rings with Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan, finished with the top, uh, the top, sorry, let me try that again, finished career with the best three-point percentage, and then he had six NBA finals, four rings in eight years. That's just a small uh, yeah. snippet of what Steve Kerr does. And I, and I love the fact, Kelly, that you put out there, look, it's the human being. You know, he reminds me of the guy from uh, How I Met Your Mother, uh, the the one of the main characters there, and he just looks the same, but just his demeanor is such uh, such calming. He's he's that influence. Everyone looks to Steve Kerr and says, "What's he going to say when this happens? What's yeah. he going to say when that well, happens?" And that's and the it thing, goes, Brock. He'd have an opinion on on anything outside of sports, and it would be an educated, informed response, or he'd simply say, "I don't know, guys." Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's very cool. So happy belated birthday to Steve Kerr. But I, I wanted to highlight some of his great stuff because he has done wonderful things. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll stick to basketball for a couple minutes. Raptors president Masai Ujiri uh, spoke to the media and had some interesting things to say. Speaking of a guy who uh, has a way of speaking to people and speaking to the media. Masai Ujiri is another one of these uh, individuals as president of the Toronto Raptors. And the thing that he said in media day prior to the preseason was that he preached patience. He preached winning culture. Uh, He wants his team to be competitive. He wants his team to um, understand uh, that there are no more distractions. And the interesting thing, guys, that I heard from him saying the no distractions was I heard part of it 
being the Kevin Durant distraction. You know, I think the the Raptors were heavily linked, whether you want to believe it or not. They were heavily linked in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. And I think that now that this is gone, we can focus on a good team. We've still got uh, Pascal Siakam, uh, Scotty Barnes, Freddie Van Vliet, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Chris Boucher, uh, and then Gary Trent Jr. So just a wonderful team. Do I think that they're going to be the top of the East? No, I don't. But they're going to be one of those teams that people just don't want to play because they're a competitive team and they want to win. And, and a lot of it has to do with camaraderie. This team is together and they want to be together and they want to compete together, which I think above all is what you want and what you need beyond just that, that you know marquee star that everyone thinks, oh, if we added a Kevin Durant, this would be all good. Well, no, I don't think that's exactly true in this situation. Yeah, and, and quite costly, Brock, really, when you look at it. Sir, I want to leave you some time here. Awesome words there and uh, from, from Nisai and yourself with that. Let's talk a little baseball. What do you have for us? Well, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, did exactly what you asked them to do, Kelly, this weekend. You wanted a three-game sweep. Uh, wonderful, wonderful series uh, from the Toronto Blue Jays. They put themselves in great position to uh, host the uh, wildcard uh, series, and it's not going to be against Tampa in the trop. If we do play Tampa, it will be at home just based on how things have set up. Um, the pitching has been well. The hitting's been well. Like, we are clicking on all cylinders. And we've spent time here talking about the ups and downs of the team. If, if any point that you want to see a team succeed, it's now. And it's right now into the playoffs. And I think you're seeing that from uh, the team as well. Uh, Gosman had his little finger issue uh, yesterday. That doesn't seem to be a problem with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. It seems like that's going to be uh, sorted out. I think they took him out of an abundance of caution not to make it worse. And I think all will be well in Blue Jays land. Awesome. Really, really quickly. Rapid fire. If you uh, were manager, who would you make your starting pitcher as we approach playoffs? Without a doubt, that's Alec Manoa. I've heard a lot of rumors saying, well, maybe he'll start the last game against Baltimore. Hopefully, it's not going to be needed. Hopefully, by that last game, we don't need a starter like him. Alec Manoa is the guy I give the ball every single day of the week in game one in such a crucial, crucial position. Here, here. Uh, Sir, what's coming up on the neutral zone? Uh, We're going to be having um, the uh, blind hockey Join us as well. Luca DeMontis is going to come on and tell us uh, what's coming up for them this year. Plus, we're going to have baseball discussion and NFL, as we often do. Awesome, sir. Thank you very much. Enjoy all the sports. It is October. It is that time. Settle back for a couple of days and get ready for this uh, wildcard action on the weekend. Uh, Lots of games ahead for you. Yes, looking forward to it for sure. Brock Richardson, of course, the uh, host of the Neutral Zone and producer over there. He hits us with the latest sports updates on Mondays on our program. Plus, check him and the gang out on the Neutral Zone. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern here on AMI-audio, also available as a video podcast and straight-up podcast. So subscribe, folks. Up next, Ardra Shepard brings her blog Tripping on Air to the podcast Airways, where she spills the tea on what it's like to live with MS. We'd speak to her in a moment.
Welcome back, folks. Thanks for being with us here on Kelly and Company. Want to remind you to check out the podcast. If maybe you got to wander off, maybe you just join us halfway through a segment or just have that contributor that's your favorite contributor you just like to tune in to listen easiest way to do that is via the kelly and company podcast simply do a search for ami audio kelly and company and subscribe if you would maybe give us a rating and review while you're in there you can listen to the show in segment form or you can listen to the complete kelly and company podcast experience there you can listen to the audio vanity card that we put on the end of the complete show otherwise no matter how you do it we appreciate you consuming the show Head to your favorite podcast platform, and away you go. Subscribe to Kelly and Company at a big thanks. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. As there's always something new, fun, exciting, informative going on at AMI, we're keeping you posted on these new content and initiatives uh, on Mondays at this time. So we're showing some love right now to an AMI original podcast and video podcast, Tripping on Air. You may have checked it out already. You may have uh, heard the promos on AMI audio, but let's get really into it. This is the podcast where host Ardra Shepard brings her confessional and informational blog to Tripping On Air. Well, Tripping On Air is the blog as well, uh, but to the podcast airways where she spills the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. And the show is released monthly on AMI Audio and as a video podcast on YouTube. We'll give you more of that detail in a sec. But welcome, Ardra, to the show to talk more about this. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Ramya. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're excited to talk to you and get a little bit of background on the podcast. So let's talk about your uh, professional life a little bit, because you do a lot of advocacy for MS professionally through this podcast. Um, and we'll talk about uh, fashion discs as well. But why is it important for you to do it in this capacity? I, I think there are so many answers to that question mm-hmm. in terms of the the content of the capacity but also the accessibility of the content i guess i'll start there because i think it's really exciting to be a part of a podcast that has an audio component a visual component that's accessible in so many ways i think i was diagnosed with ms more than 20 years ago and one of my very first symptoms was optic neuritis which caused me to lose a significant amount of vision and at the time you could go to the library or the bookstore and there were five large print books that were catered to the senior demographic. And I think it's just really exciting how um, our options for the way we consume and the way we communicate and tell stories are so much broader now in terms of theme and topic, but also how we access them how we access them. And I, I mm-hmm. think that's, that's really exciting. And then in, in terms of the content that I am creating, I think Canada has the highest per capita incidence of MS in the world. With some In some areas, it's as common as one in about 330 people. So most Canadians will at some point in their lives know someone with MS. But I think not many people really know what MS is all about. And so MS really does impact a lot of people. And I think storytelling is a really great way to, to get to know, you know, that what that life is like, because it impacts a lot of people, whether you have the disease or whether you care about somebody who has the disease. 
Yeah, it does. Um, Audra, I'm kind of curious. Fashion Disc is another great example of your hosting work, and of course, folks can uh, watch the show on the AMI app. Did you experience some powerful moments at all while, of advocacy while working on Fashion Disc? I mean, Fashion Disc was such a game-changing experience. It really was a dream come true. And, uh, you know, I think I didn't set out for it to be a show that was about advocacy. It was really about destigmatizing the experience of disability and providing an outlet, a platform for people with disabilities to be seen as um, stylish and and having the same sort of fashion literacy and, and interest in style and beauty that the average consumer does. But we, the disabled population has been largely erased from that mm-hmm. from that industry. And for so sure. it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really so much about advocacy. I feel like it was a nice side effect of that project, but it was really about making space for disabled people in this, world and yeah it was it was really exciting i i yeah i couldn't have had a more positive experience right. and and That's our right. participants too i feel they, they it, it was a great show yeah very good it, we have a uh, bella strange makeup artist on fashion disc who joins us monthly and every time i hear her talk about the show having worked on it and just the the ripple effect of um that kind of work is so empowering and I feel like it was such a powerful uh, show to to have been on it for you the both of you and just talking about it in general which is fantastic so back to tripping on air you and your co-host Alex explore various aspects and angles of living with MS right so there's um would you say there's a serious side and a funny side? Does it all just kind of mix into one thing for you? Can you share some of these angles of the storytelling aspect? I think all of life is that combination of comedy and and tragedy. My co-host, Alex, his partner, his wife has MS. And so I really, it was important to me to bring somebody onto the show who had that perspective because MS really does affect the whole house and his experience is a, a different one than, than the person with MS. Um, we've only, we've only launched a few episodes so far and they've been very broad in scope. So we did one on um, our biggest fears with MS, which was a very compelling episode, I think, because, you know, it's, I, as a person with MS, think about my fears a lot without necessarily considering the fears of my partner. And so Alex Mm. was able to articulate that. We did an episode with uh, a lawyer, a personal injury attorney who does litigation for disability insurance claims, which is something a lot of people don't necessarily think about, that legal side, um, you know, that you have to manage with life with disability and then our most recent episode was with a woman who I grew up with we've been friends since grade seven and she has MS but a very different experience than my own and this episode was all about her perspective of dating as somebody with a progressive disability you know what's like to put your wheelchair status on a dating profile and and Mm. and all of 
all, all so much juicy gossip in there. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's not, I, I never want the show to feel educational. You know, it's not an after school special. I really think that when I'm creating content, I'm thinking of the MS community. And I realize that the MS community extends to the people who love and care about us. So that, that is a lot of people. Well, it um, is. But, yeah. it's, it's an interesting, too, because we get into this, how much advocating do disabled people have to feel we do? How much of our lives, how much of our daily is Ugh. even just, just explaining to someone and there's times we want to turn the switch off and say, look, come on. But yet when you're doing a podcast like this, you know there are people who are watching who may not be comfortable to ask questions, who may hesitate yeah. to date someone with a disability and they're learning that way instead of preaching at people, you're sharing those stories and it's kind of like you're letting them know at some point, no matter what we're dealing with with, with our disability, Disability and the the chronic disability life, you know, or, or whatever you want to call it, however you want to word it, there are always moments to laugh, you, it, it, to have that permission where so many people at first, unless they're near disability in any way, think, well, gee, I couldn't laugh at that happening to me. I'd be so upset, so mortified, whatever. And it's, it really does come down to the friends like your friend, the, the, the partners that people have like Alex. I, I, you're absolutely right, Kelly. I think for me, it's really about normalizing the experience. Like, you know, we're, we're all the same. And I, I get it that it would be impossible for all of us to really, these awareness months sort of make me, uh, I, I mean, I guess awareness months, I almost have a bit of a problem with them because you're absolutely right. There is this pressure and impetus on the disabled community to, uh, educate and also to fundraise, but it would be impossible and exhausting and emotionally debilitating for all of us to really understand the nuances of what everyone else goes through. Exactly. And I think right. the best that we can hope for is to just give each other the benefit of the doubt and to believe what people say about their experience and to mm. listen. And, you know, when people communicate what it is that they need or how they're feeling, that we don't question that, that we just accept it and, and admit that we don't always know what we don't know and we can't know everything and we can't expect everyone to know every nuance of every disease. It would be, you know, isn't, exhausting. Yeah. Well, isn't this something we hear about from all kinds of communities, right? The validation that people need of their histories, of their experiences, of, um, you know, what they're asking for be heard. And that's, that's so true. It's so individual, but, you know, sometimes can feel very much like a collective because that's, I guess, the only way to move forward is to feel like a collective. Uh, you told us about September's episode, Ardra. Can you tell us what October's episode might be? Yes, I'm very excited about this episode because we got to interview one of my personal heroes, Rebecca Tossig, who wrote Sitting Pretty, which is a memoir and I think is one of the most important books about the disabled experience. We're talking to her about what it's like to be a parent with a disability. And we're, I mean, there can be a whole podcast about parenting with MS or parenting with disability. I'm mm -hmm. not a parent. Somebody else should make it. Uh, but this episode really talks about the stigma that goes with even before you have decided to have children. And that's, 
the the stigma and the attitudes and the judgments that people face from friends and family, strangers, and even with inside the medical community. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this this episode. It's so much to take in. Ardra, thank you so much. We're out of time. Really appreciate you making the time for us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Tripping on air. You can checking out check it out on YouTube for the video podcast and once a month on AMI Audio. In our next hour, our CNIB Smart Life segment and a shop teacher in Ontario who identifies as trans has been the topic of much media uh, attention lately. That's for sure. Uh, Daniel McLaughlin will discuss with us shortly. But up next, community reporter Kim Hovey joins us and she updates us on life in Dawson City, Yukon. In a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the program. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of Kelly and Company. It's the second hour of the show. Wherever you're listening in around the world, we appreciate you being with us. And maybe if you're sitting at your desk here, just on your computer, checking us out at ami.ca where you can hang out with us. Appreciate your time. Remember, we're here live for 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. On Mondays and Tuesdays, however, we get an opportunity to visit with our community reporters. The community reporters are scattered all over Canada and bring to us all sorts of great news and things to to talk about that they're involved in. Well, let's visit with our uh, community reporter out in Dawson City, Yukon, Kim Hovey. Kim, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. So I think we're all agreed around here. Hands? Yeah, okay, that's right. Show the hands, guys. Yeah, we're all agreed that some of the coolest things when we have you on is learning all about the area, the different things, because, of course, you know, these guys that live down in that Toronto over there, <laughs> these big city people just have no idea, <laughs> right? So it takes us folks that live in a, well, all right, folks like yourself to live in an even sl- uh, smaller place than my London, Ontario, to really sell us the goods on this. Uh, last week, uh, you took a little journey, so give us a little bit of information about the journey and life in the Yukon. Well, yes, Kelly, and as coming from Ottawa, I just, I have to share this with people because I just, I know how uh, of uh, much of an impact it has, and so last week, um, I had to drive down to Whitehorse, so that's our six-hour drive for an eye appointment, and I was able to get new glasses for a hurrah, well, order them anyways, Um and also, while I was down in Whitehorse, because it's the main center where everybody is based out of for big stuff, government employers and stuff, um, I did a Zoom meeting with my new employer as well, which um, was very exciting to meet, and I am very happy about how that's going. But... For the trip down, <laughs> we were just planning on going for an overnight. It's kind of a, a standard thing that we do. Um, but we ended up having to stay for three days because of landslides. Oh, wow. So there was, yeah, there was about 10 or so landslides over a couple of kilometers up here, just a few kilometers outside of Dawson. 
and it just shut everything down there yet again. You know, it's it's huge the impact that something like that has. So you stayed in, Do- uh, excuse me, in Whitehorse. You knew ahead of time about the landslides, obviously, and just had to stay there because no sense trying to make the journey. Thank gosh you weren't already on the road. Well, actually, or were <laughs> to you? clarify, we didn't <laughs> know. Yeah, we were on the road. Oh, when we boy. left Thursday morning, we drove around what, you know, what was the beginning of the slide, but we didn't think anything of it. It was just so, it was the one that we went around. And anyways, with um, 511 now is what uh, we're using to find out road conditions. And we saw things posted on Facebook, of course, and checked out 511. And sure enough, um, there was a big section of the highway closed. And then eventually they got one lane cleared um, and just had a pilot vehicle pilot through. And so that was only open from 8 to 8. So it was closed. The highway was closed from 8 to 8. So wow. it made it very challenging to <laughs> to get about, yeah. And, and, and also, is that something you guys deal with every year when it comes to the slides? I, I thought I heard this year was pretty uh, on the news. I thought I heard it was a rough year for it. This year has been uh, a lot of landslides, which is not normal. Uh, but we also had a lot of precipitation this year. Um, so they're kind of talking that that may have had a, a big impact on it. Wow. Uh, you guys also made a little bit of a video? Did you see it? No, I've heard about the video. Um, but So is that the one you guys, did you guys make it? Where did the video come from? Yes, I took that as we were driving back through. I actually took three videos, but I only sent you guys one of, the, the major spot where we had to be piloted through because wow. it was just the the impact is you don't believe it until you see it. That's amazing. What a talk about landscape totally really changing like that's unbelievable and something that again you know down here we just oh yeah really you know you don't think about well yeah the face of a mountain kind of just whoop, changed. Well, and that's our major mode of transport. Um, so they were actually using the river uh, to transport people back and forth temporarily. Um, and also, um, our power lines were also interrupted because of the landslide. So it had quite a, a significant impact for us without power and <laughs> any way to get back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a wow. big deal. Well, I hope the rest of the journey, though, everything else went good. We'll get into some of that in a moment. Uh, folks can check out w- what Kim talks about today on the report, by the way, at ami.ca slash Co. So, Kim, uh, your sons are going to an, a camp, and it seems like a very interesting experience. Well, it's going to be. Yes, well, and as... We are all um, going through truth and reconciliation, and I'm not sure how much the schools are teaching that down south, but um, up here we are in Shonaquitchen land, and it's very, very important and very um, 
it's it's a big deal to teach and learn and for our kids to grow and understand where their friends truly have come from and where they're going and how to help and assist. So the past week um, with the Truth and Reconciliation, the school has been teaching uh, as well um, about residential schools and the impact and one of the one of their ideas has come, um, and they do this actually from time to time. Anyways, is they have camp, these camping trips, which I think are so awesome. Because when we were down south, we didn't have camping trips like these ones. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's a, a whole different experience when they wake up at like minus. Three <laughs> from a tent, and uh, yeah, I got a moose walking by them, and so. But anyways, they are going to Land of Plenty, uh, is the name of the territory where they're going, and spending three days and two nights, and they will be learning about, um, you know, what what crafts and what. They'll learn from the land. They'll be hunting and fishing and just seeing what the land can provide for them and how it has. So it's very important, and it's it's a wonderful experience, and I'm so grateful that, um, you know, these kids can learn uh, and see what it's, it, you know, just a, a glimpse of what, was happening right right a a small experience a sliver of uh, the kinds of um lifestyles that that people led and lead in the indigenous communities Uh, but as you're saying so significant in our learning right the the for me, you know, I, I hear about an initiative that um, somebody like an Indigenous person is putting out and the significance behind that for them. And I feel like this is a huge piece of learning for me. And so going out there and experiencing and would you say minus three <laughs> weather and <laughs> understanding all the kinds of uh, ways from the food to the the land and the um, meaning I guess the sentiment behind the the lifestyle is is really really incredible. It's firsthand, which I really can appreciate uh, as well for your sons. Yes, and that's the best way. They can teach them and talk about it all they want, but to get them out there and experience it, to me, that's golden. Mm-hmm. You do. Can want to talk? Speaking of getting out there, about your new job, fill us in. What's going on? Yes. So as you all know, I've been trying to find my niche with New Vision. And so formerly being, I am a nurse. And so going over into administration was kind of like, well, uh, (laughs) okay, let's try because, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles and we're going to give it a try. So I am trying at Energy Minds and Resources. And wow, it has been such a great experience going through what I have 
to get where I am. Like the things that they've done and I'm just, uh, I feel very welcome. I thought I would feel like a fish out of water, but they are very uh, accommodating. And even some of the employees, uh, fellow coworkers have had personal experiences with, you know, vision loss, not necessarily themselves personally, but in their family. And so that just makes it feel like I don't feel so much like an alien in a foreign territory. Yeah. Uh, when they can relate. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful, Kim. We're, we're going to have to get more on it because I'm kind of curious how accessible software, the different things that you've been able to go with their attitudes and everything like that. I know there's a little bit more. Maybe we can get into that uh, in, the, in the next report and you tell us a little bit more. We're out of time. We'll talk to you in a, in a month. Sounds great, Kelly. Thank you. You betcha. Uh, remember, folks, we talk with our community reporters on Mondays and Tuesdays on the program. Kim Hovey, our community reporter in Dawson City, Yukon, bring us the report. Check out ami.ca slash Co to find out what, uh, what things she discussed today in case you want the refresher. We'll be back in just a moment with our CNIB Smart Life segment. Well, from your TV right here in Canada, folks, you can enjoy Kelly and Company or any content on AMI-audio. All you simply have to do, for example, is listen to us via Bell Alliant Channel 66 and Bell Channel 49. Now, in case maybe those aren't your providers, visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with Rumya Muthan. All right, let's get into our CNIB Smart Life segment, which we've moved, just an FYI, uh, from the first Thursday of the month to the first Monday of the month. And we're chatting with, um, you know, people and talking about products from around the world to help the blind and low vision community. So I'm looking forward to this chat with Leon Resnick, CEO of Zeroa LLC, which is an international company that designs and manufactures top-of-the-line devices for the blind low vision community and we're learning about one of these devices it's a new reading appliance from um, Zeroa and also we're talking about the new partnership with CNIB Smart Life which brings this device to Canadians so important aspect as well Leon thank you for coming on Kelly and Company thank you my pleasure Looking forward to chatting about this. So can you tell us about um, Zerolo, first of all, Zerolo, uh, and also if I'm pronouncing that correctly, <laughs> and its new product? <laughs> yeah, it's got to pronounce. Yeah, it's pronounced Zerolo. And uh, Zerolo. this is a uh, relatively new company. Uh, and what we do, we design new products for people with vision loss. And uh, although it's a new company, it comprises the same team as... Uh, started ABIC company back 15 years ago and uh, we made a number of different products for the uh, blind and low vision community that's amazing yeah very much so and the team where did the team come from Uh, it's pretty much myself and uh, my partner and uh, I'm a hardware engineer my partner is a software engineer and like two of us were designing it before and we are designing new products now Mm -hmm. okay 
tell us a little bit more about uh, your advanced auto reader here. This is this is pretty amazing. Amazing. Uh, yes. So it's a product called Lyric, and that's a device that reads any printed material that you put uh, under it, and uh, it um, it runs it instantaneously. Uh, it takes about you you place it on the base of the Lyric, and it reads it without pressing any buttons. And what's important is to read it very fast. It takes about a second between the time you placed it and the time that it starts reading. Can you describe it? Like how big, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, that's a relatively small device. Uh, it's the weight's about uh, three pounds, uh, one and a half kilograms. Uh, it's foldable, it's folds flat. Uh, it runs on batteries. And um, uh, it pretty much, there are two parts. Uh, one is a base, uh, another one that uh, folds up and that has a camera on top of it. And uh, you power it up, place a document, and it reads. So the reading accurately and instantaneously, I mm-hmm. think, is a really great benefit. Um, what are some of the other or you know notable advantages of the Lyric? Uh, uh, the advantage is it's... Uh, the main two advantages that it's very fast and it's very easy to use, and uh, it can read uh, pretty much any um, any kind of materials. Wow! Very fast. Mm-hmm. So, when you when you say that, uh, so you get a letter in the mail. You open up the you mm-hmm. take the envelope. Obviously, pop it on there. It'll read that. You open up the mail. You say, "Oh my, that's my my bill." You spread it out on the base. Is that how we picture it? I'm just trying to picture because of the different types of reading material. And again, I'm not necessarily suggesting somebody may want to sit and read a book. They certainly might want to skip through page by page or something like that. But what what aspects? What kind of use have you found uh, that? Uh, and when you designed it, that you felt people would tend to use it for um, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that depends. Uh, different customers use it for different things. Mm-hmm. Some customers just take a book and read the book with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some customers, uh, they like uh, that they get a stack of mail. In the mail, they have no, if person is blind, has no idea what it is, what's junk mail, what's a real mail, what's important yes. mail. So that uh, they can easily throw it on the uh, on Lyric and uh, very quickly sort them out at least and then uh, get into details of what's important. Uh, there are customers who are using it, uh, for example, to read the um, cooking recipes and they just bring it to the kitchen and uh, place the recipe on, mm-hmm. on Lyric. Um, we have also some professional uh, customers who... Uh, who use it for their work. Uh, we had some students who use it for uh, for the school work. So it's, um, there are a lot of different users. Uh, the main thing is that, uh, that it's, uh, it's doing the job fast and accurately. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said, you mentioned that there's no buttons on it. So can you talk about the other, like the the reading controls that are available on the Lyric, you know, how how can we use it? Do you just put uh, something under it and and that's that, or is there anything else? Actually, it's it's not right that it doesn't have. It does have buttons. Um, uh-huh. You don't need to use any buttons in order to read. So as Got far it. as it's powered up, you place it and it reads. 
uh, there is a button to stop, there is a button to go back uh, to previous sentence. Uh, there are uh, another two buttons to make it faster and slower, but that's it. That's all you have on uh, on the device. Uh, for the more advanced users, we have an uh, additional keypad where you have the full daisy controls. And there you can you re read it as you would read, like, for example, a daisy book. Right. Excellent. That's great. So would you suggest that a quiet environment is the best? I mean, you know, could you take it to somewhere like a library and have it not bother other people, but also get your own, obviously, use of it if you might be in a uh, a cafe and, you, you know, is there headsets or any way you could uh, plug headsets in and stuff like that to use it elsewhere if you took it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it has its own speakers, so you can use it as it is. Or yeah, you can, it's again, it's portable. It's only three pounds, and it comes with a carrying case, so you can bring it anywhere to the library or um, anywhere else. And uh, there are two options to uh, make it quiet. One is you can use the standard uh, headset. It has a three and a half millimeter uh, plug. So you plug it in, put your headset, and you you are quiet. Right. Uh, another interesting feature it has it has a Bluetooth. So what you can do, you can uh, pair your Bluetooth headset with Lyric. And uh, uh, sometimes um, some uh, senior, a lot of senior people, they have hearing aids. So to, a lot of today's hearing aids also have Bluetooth. So you right. can pair it directly yeah. with a Bluetooth with hearing aid. Awesome. That's great. So, Leon, tell us, because we know that there are a number of reading devices on the market, right? You've designed these <laughs> devices, some of these in the past yourself. So why design a new one? What's the um, intention behind this particular creation? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, we designed... Um, number of different real devices ourselves and uh, there are like other um, reading devices on the market today but when i looked at it about a year and a half ago when we started this company uh, the best device on the market has been designed by us in 2012 so it's almost 10 years ago and I looked at the technology. There is a much better technology today uh, that can make it much, uh, much smaller, much lighter, and uh, much faster. So that was that was our motivation. And yeah. and you see that as such a need out there with any products and keeping ahead of uh, what other what the other person is is manufacturing out there. Leon, can you save documents on Lyric? Yes, uh, you can. Um, actually, there are two ways to save documents. Uh, if you need some uh, fast document, like, for example, like um, phone list, or uh, you can save it. Uh, there is a room for four documents inside, ah. and there is a very easy access to them with a keypad. Uh, if you want to save uh, multiple pages, a book, or like if you're a professional, you want to save multiple pages, uh, you can save it, save it on external uh, USB drive. And uh, then there are, once you save that, there are two options. One is Lyric can uh, translate it into text and audio formats. So you can listen to it somewhere else, say on a DAISY player. 
or you can use the lyric uh, to listen to uh, to them and to OCR them on the fly. So there's some uh, wonderful things that you've pointed out today, you know, understanding like what this is, what we can do with it and why it's a bit different from other ones that you may have tried out. Um, anything else on the kinds of documents that are uh, available? You mentioned, you know, reading, using it almost as a daisy player, uh, being able to utilize it in all these different capacities. Did we miss anything? Uh, no, that pretty much uh, what we when we designed it, we tried to make it uh, first of all as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, so the uh, I mean that th that was our focus. Uh, we are constantly improving it. Uh, for example, we are going to have a new software release at some point where we will uh, read uh, tables much more accurately, and we'll be able to read uh, all the different kinds of tables that. Uh, we could never read before, uh, but the main uh, main thing is that um, there are a lot of people uh, asking for simplicity. They they don't want to press the buttons. They don't want to uh, like read the long manuals. They want just to uh, get the device, place the document or the book, and listen to it. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, it's nice when people who have a range of different things they need to do for whether it's for work or, or, or things at home or organize groups, organization, whatever they belong to, to have all those toys. But a lot of time you just want the straightforward, tell me, just make it so it works quickly for me. And I think you've stressed that Leon so much. Can you tell us about the warranty that comes with it? Uh, yeah. We give a uh, two year warranty with every lyric uh, and uh, we stand by it. Thank you much. Amazing. Well, this is really great. Uh, I mean, are you guys happy with the the kind of uh, uptake that people are giving for this device and the the um the chance that people are giving it? Oh yeah, uh, we we get a lot of feedback, and um, we have a lot of customers now in the U.S. We have some customers in Europe. We're going to have a lot, of, hopefully, a lot of customers in Canada, and. Um, People, it's 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 a life changer for many people. Yeah, yeah, we're working on trying to get you some more here in Canada today. We're pushing here. Uh, tell me something though, uh, with Lyric, uh, what have you found been mainly the primary customers looking for it? Are we thinking of working people or seniors? Who? Uh, mostly, it's seniors. Uh, if you take, if you're talking about kids, some of them can just use the phone, the iPhone, right? And they're techy, techy enough. But um, some there, is, there are some professionals who just don't have time to open the iPhone and uh, whatever, navigate the iPhone and point iPhone to the text. And uh, we have to, it's easier for them to put Lyric on their desk. Uh, but mostly it's uh, seniors who they get it and they get, uh, get a feel and capability to, to do what they couldn't be, do before. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty um, amazing that we can have all these options available and you, you know, designer and engineer who's worked on so much of this um, for so long. I think you can understand, you know, where the communities come from, where the community comes from when we say, hey, let's keep upgrading and let's make these things work faster and faster for us. Because reading, like you've been mentioning, is something that we all 
do and have to do and we're still not a paperless world so there's lots of opportunities for these devices thank you so much leon for joining us today and giving us all the information thank you it was my pleasure we were speaking with Leon Resnick, CEO of Zero LLC, uh, and we were talking about the Lyric Reader. Really interesting. And I love the simplicity idea uh, for those who need it, and mostly that he uh, stressed very quick. Uh, folks, coming up next, Know Your Rights, hosted by Danielle McLaughlin, is on the other side of the break. Thanks for, having, thanks for having you with us, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, so, gee, you still can tell it's Monday. When will that end? My goodness, got to be able to speak properly. Kelly McDonald with Romeo Muthen. It's just that uh, stepping on the tongue when you come back and, okay, yeah. here we go. And uh, But then you, you remind hear it me. in your head. It just won't come out. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what we can do to fix that. My gosh. Get to, get to the point where you just hear it in your head and it comes out and it's just fine. It's totally okay. And everybody sure. else hears it too. That would be nice. Wow. Folks, uh, as we do on Mondays during our very diverse lineup of programming on Kelly and Company, we welcome in, because it's that time, Danielle McLaughlin, host of Know Your Rights. Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights. Danielle, how are you? I've got some tang tangling as well. Uh oh! <laughs> it's very, I don't know. It's Monday all day, all day long too. I, it's funny because there's always the re- oh, it's Monday. We we come Tuesday or Wednesday. It's like, yeah, I don't know why. And you just yeah. hope somebody offers up. Well, maybe you had too much coffee or something's going on like that, or not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Danielle, let's talk about this shop teacher. A uh, shop okay. teacher here in Ontario who identifies as trans has been the topic of much media attention recently. Even Donald Trump Jr. got into the act. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the controversy that arose over her appearance. Um, Could you talk and describe a little bit about this appearance, this this shop teacher's appearance that students were uploading to social media? I I will. Um, It's uh, somewhat surprising because it's the image... uh, is to be honest with you the thing that bothered me was the fact that this person is wearing their mask under their nose but you know that's me so it's a person with very long blonde hair looking probably like a wig um at dark dark rimmed glasses a pair of bike shorts um and an extremely tight thin uh stretchy top over what are probably prosthetic uh, breasts, very, very large. If the average uh, bra is a, a B, this would be a Z, um, and with very, very prominent nipples. So the person is quite unusual to look at. And there have been a couple of images uploaded, I gather, by the students taking photographs of of this teacher. Uh, one of them is uh, seems to be in a parking lot. Another one seems to be in the shop class where the teacher is in front of a circular saw. Um, and the some members of the community have got really upset about this image. Um, Danielle, so, I, I, I just, on yeah. your description and on the fact that you've mentioned the photos 
being taken. And as a yeah. person who could never, ever take a picture without somebody saying, what are you doing with that camera? Um, right. as a low vision person who, oh, are you looking over this way? Are these pictures, um, candid shots in the sense of obviously the shop teacher doesn't know they were taken? I, I, it's a little bit hard to tell. One of them, the one that was in class looks to me as though the teacher does not know that it's being taken. And it's a little hard to tell with the one that seems to be in a parking lot. Um, my guess is it was taken with a cell phone, right. um, and whether or not the teacher has given permission for these uh, photos to be taken and or for them to be uploaded, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. One of the things that um, appears to be the case, uh, unless my research is poor, is the teacher has not spoken about it at all. So we do not know why the teacher chose to appear in this particular fashion, um, whether this was something that they wore or wear all the time, whether it was more of a, a costume. Um, we just don't know what the, the different reasons might be. We do know that some of the students, obviously the ones that uploaded it, thought that it was worthy of media attention. And it, boy, has it ever gone viral. So, you know, quite a few people have seen it. There's there's another picture of the same teacher in a purple top, you know, same size chest, um, appearing to be talking with a sheet of paper uh, in front, which, you know, looks very much like a, um, a classroom uh, candid shot. So not, you know, the teacher probably was not aware that this, that this was taken. Um, you know, there have been, uh, numbers of members of the community who've been very upset about this image of a teacher. And in fact, uh, there have been people picketing outside the school uh, with some really nasty messages about trans people, uh, associating trans people with uh, pedophilia, paraphilias, um, talking about, you know, we need the, the kids to learn to read and write, not how to change genders. Um, and and some who say uh, you know school is not a circus, that that sort of message, but you know what again we simply don't have enough information about why this person uh, dresses this way or whether they do this on a regular basis. Uh, some people have complained to the school board, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. one of the the things that they've said is. Surely there is a, a standard, uh, you know, professional standards or appropriate dress for teachers. But if you look on nearly every uh, school board's website, you'll find that there are dress codes that apply to the students. Um, whether those dress codes ought to apply to the teachers as well is another question. And in fact, I think we all assume it does. Well, I would have never even thought if I was a principal building a website yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that but then I come from an old school where there was an image of of what teachers wore just just right. like you know uh, doctors and nurses and that kind of thing what you generally yeah. wore uh to go to work and what professionals uh, and, and, wore right yeah and and yeah. I, and again I understand there comes a level of well how much are you going to preach that are you going to make people you know male teachers all wear suits female you know or whatever for you know well, they used to yes they did but right? I and, think and we changed that well, and, and the first um, 
a female teacher allowed to wear trousers in school was a woman with a disability. And that was in the 1970s. Up until that time, women had to wear skirts or dresses, and it was as completely unacceptable for them to wear trousers of any kind in school. And this woman, I think, had to specially petition because of the, the shape of her body that she needed to wear trousers and was given special permission, just her, not everybody else, um, to, to wear trousers. So one of the things we know about appearance is that it changes, you know, what's appropriate changes mm-hmm. radically over time. Um, and we've, we've seen, uh, you know, uh, protests about school dress codes where it looks like, you know, they apply more to the girls than the boys as far as students are, are concerned. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I, I would wonder about is if this person, this teacher, um, her if if her body appeared this way naturally without this prosthetic bust would people still be complaining would you know i mean we we know that people come in many different shapes and sizes um and so far as i know uh, it would be uh, you know really terrible to tell people only this shape person need apply for the job as teacher um we kn- we know that trans people are in every profession and and workplace and that trans people choose to appear as they choose to appear, some you know, some one way, some another way. Mm-hmm. I, I think have... there'd be interesting comments, yeah, and like you said, I think you'd still get postings to social media. It, but the mm-hmm. one thing that interests me, it stands out, Danielle, that you've said, is there has been nothing said by this teacher. So you'll have That's to right. wonder, did that <laughs> even go to in class? Like, well, people yeah. uh, protesting, saying... You're doing this, you're teaching what? The school's meant for teaching kids about education, not about, but we don't have well, any clue if any of that has even, if the person's situation has ever been discussed, if they've opened the floor to answer questions to students and stuff like that. We, we don't know that that person is not showing up for school and doing their job where really we can only say, yeah, your dress is a little inappropriate if we're saying that. If we're even saying that, because is that relevant to their teaching? And that's really the question that that I want to know. Now, there's a there was a an editorial in the National Post saying the problem is we don't know the difference between men and women, and we don't have a good definition for woman. Um, and you know oh the way Ontario, the way Canada looks at it, it's anyone who says that they're a woman. Um, I don't have a big problem with that myself. And I don't frankly see the logical connection between the person's gender, their appearance, and whether they're a good teacher or not. Um, And the reason I'm saying this is because I've seen a whole lot of teachers in my life and a whole lot of student classrooms. So I remember a classroom of kids. It was largely the girls, I will, I will, you know, have to have to confess this who were so focused on the teacher's appearance that if she had a run in her stocking, somebody would definitely be up there telling her about it. Or if her shoelace were untied, that would be an issue for the classroom. Now, my guess is, you know, that the teacher somehow may have invited this kind of scrutiny. They always commented on her clothing. They, you know, they, they took, they paid special attention to what she wore every day. Um, I had another teacher I worked with fairly regularly. It was a kind of unusual woman. And she wore lipstick that really ended up nowhere near her lips. It was kind of in a in a circle around her mouth. Um, most people would say that looked clown-like. 
I was never aware that the students paid attention to that. They were, she was a decent teacher. They enjoyed her classes. They learned the material. And the fact that she looked a little odd didn't seem to enter into the equation. So, you know, I think that we really have to focus on what's, what's professionalism. Is it the way you dress? Are there specific purposes where specific dress codes are, are, are or should be required? Or have we come far enough that we can say, you know, if you can do your job and do it well, and apparently there have been, you know, um, there's been feedback from, from some of the, the students that this teacher teaches well, um, isn't, isn't that enough? And, you know, well, I'm not sure I know the answer to this. I think we'll know think? if we've, uh, you know, come to that place when something like this doesn't become the headline that we talk about, right? Yeah. Because it, honestly, and and I'm I'm coming from like a the more serious side of this is that people in uh, who identify as trans or people from the LGBTQ plus communities, um, I think, have struggled for a very long time on so many. Uh, barriers um and and feeling marginalized in so many different ways and appearance being one of them it, yeah. it's kind of like you know if you're doing this to make a statement well done because it's, it's <laughs> true it worked, <laughs> it worked exactly. and it's true yeah. and if we're going to talk about you know people who look different or we're uncomfortable with you because you're dressing this way because you look that way i mean come on we can bring up disability in this as well and Absolutely. you know just for the discomfort of somebody you know my mobility device or the, or the stuff eyes, that I have to lug around right. uh, mm-hmm. when I yeah. when I'm carrying mm-hmm. my equipment for accessibility purposes or uh you know I have my facial differences all of these different things are you going to question these as well like it's just ridiculous to me and the whole notion of we should be able to identify what who women are and what they should be looking like and acting like and talking like uh that's just ridiculous I, I can't even comment on how ridiculous that is well, you know, we haven't come that far from ugly laws where right. people whose appearances were uh, off-putting or startling to people who'd never seen them before um, were, were meant to stay inside because they, you know, they would disturb the quote-unquote normal population. Um, you know, I don't think that would withstand human rights uh, scrutiny now. No. Of course it wouldn't. But, um, you know, is that what we're looking at in this case? Again, if this person is making a statement, they've succeeded in, in making a statement, mm-hmm. you know, but if this is simply the way this person chooses to appear, then, you know, whose business is it? You know, is it disruptive to the classroom? I think that's the only question that might be relevant to their appearance. And if it is, and if there can was we dress accommodate code. it? And if there was yeah. whatever schools feel they have, like if you're going to hold the students to a dress code, the staff have to be held to that too, as far as I'm concerned. Well, except that, for example, you know, what this, the, the dress code for this particular school says that no genitalia nor nipples may be, uh, <laughs> may be shown. Now, this person has a shirt on, um, However, the nipples are quite prominent. So Correct. are we going to say to anybody who has prominent nipples, men or women, you have to wear two shirts <laughs> or you have to cover, you know, cover your, your nipples in some fashion because it's unacceptable. I mean, I think yeah. that's going a little far when a school prescribes people's underwear that, you know, I mean, <laughs> there are schools that do that, yeah. but I'm not 
I don't think I'd ever be in favor of that sort of thing. So, you know, but in the aspect of the fact that that school does say for the students, that's where I'm saying that if they get away with saying, okay, this is our dress code. Well, then mm-hmm. you need Which to brings revi- us back to the right. question then of dress Then you need to altogether. revisit a dress code or mm-hmm. or say what you're, you want on it, whether it's, we've talked about this before, whether it's, you know, bad language, swear words or whatever, which I, I you know, uh, that's, that's the stuff that you, you got to decide in our society and then stick with that. But it should apply to both. Well, okay, but if you know going we're to still going to the thing is what we're really talking about is a conflict of rights here. You're, well, we yeah, have it, yeah. freedom of expression, which is an extremely important right, and this mm-hmm. this teacher clearly has chosen to express to themselves express. <laughs> in 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 through dress in some form. and and we also have the whole issue of professionalism. And you know, it is important that teachers are respected. It is important that they have the capacity to get the material across so that the students can learn in in a you know a comfortable atmosphere where they you know they can really spend time dealing with the material and not with terrible distractions. We don't know what happens in this classroom. We you know we know that this is a shop teacher. Um, the picture of them standing in front of the circular saw looks like they know what they're doing. Um, looks like they can accommodate their large size, um, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm sure that anybody who who has a, a body shape of any sort needs to do, you know, if you, you, you know, I, I, we got parked in a very tight parking space and clearly uh, only one of us could get behind the wheel. So we had to accommodate the driver to the very tight parking space. I mean, this is something that you do in, mm-hmm. in a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I do know that some of the politicians have called for the um, the Board of Education to revisit their policies on professionalism. Um, uh, that Stephen Lecce, the Minister of Education, has got into the act uh, by you know calling for uh, you know the, the the board to look at professionalism. Also, the question that, that Kelly has brought up: Should dress codes for students apply equally to teachers? And those have not been answered yet, but. The only thing that I really care about is that the questions they ask are relevant, that they aren't trying to, that they aren't allowing themselves to be distracted by something that really doesn't have anything to do with the teacher's capacity to teach. So I'm going to leave you with that today. (laughs) Interesting, too, because classes are all different. You could go, you know, with a class that absolutely has no comment, no interest in putting anything up, just like you were talking about the the monitoring of the run in the nylons or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Another class would have absolutely no comment, no thought. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you. Danielle McLaughlin joining us, our Know Your Rights contributor, discussing the story of the trans teacher in Ontario that has drawn such attention in the media. Coming up next, we wrap up this program and see what's going on tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown over on AMI-tv. We'll be right back. Catch the Pulse, folks, right here on AMI-audio at uh, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. This week, Joita speaks to Sarah Patel, the creator of the Thinking in Color podcast. Sarah discusses her lived experience of being disabled and Muslim. That's the Pulse. 
Thursday at 1.30 p.m., 10.30 a.m. Pacific, right here on AMI-audio. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, hosts of the show and uh, our show available via podcast. Simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Okay, Ramya, what segment would you like to remind folks? Maybe they can go back, re-listen to, or somebody who's just catching us now. Uh, what would you like to re- send them to? Mm-hmm. Okay, lots of updates from Michael Babcock on the Echo devices to come. We talked about a couple different ones uh you know would we spend money on this stuff or not and then also just thinking of the fact that there are still new echoes coming out um all the different features that these devices particularly have but then again they're all over the place like not just amazon i'm talking you know apple and google and all the big makers um and then we also got into some to talk about feedback that ira is looking forward to so if you're interested in that then check out the podcast. Some great beta testing possibilities That's when you it, talk yeah. about Ira. Really interesting. Brock Richardson followed up with an interesting sports discussion. Uh, unfortunately, we had to talk about the horrible uh, soccer stadium incident uh, where 120 plus people lost their lives uh, over the weekend. Horrible, horrible. We went on to talk a little bit about sports in the sense of baseball, for example, because it's October. And that's World Series time, but there's so much sports out there, uh, so a lot of uh, interesting discussion on on that level. If you're uh, if you're into that, uh, this is the fall, and all of that great stuff is uh, now available. As hockey and uh, basketball uh, also will join NFL and baseball in in this month. Joining us to tell us a little bit about what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown is producer Paul Daniel, one of the producers from the program. Sir, would you tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to? Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, uh, Louise Levesque-Burley, our community reporter in Moncton, New Brunswick, will tell us about a, a trouble she encountered in Prince Edward Island, in Prince Edward Island when she was uh, refused accommodation at a motel because it didn't allow her guide dog. And she'll also let us know what she's doing about it. Nelson Rego from Cool Blind Tech will tell us about a, how, to un, how to block unknown calls on your iPhone. And, of course, we'll have a weekly news quiz. Awesome on the unknown calls, the quiz, but it's crazy. Uh, Rummy, yeah. I'm sure you agree from all the people you know that have had these incidences and you just keep sitting back here saying, how is it still happening that you're being refused because of your dog, your cane or whatever to a mm-hmm. hotel or a taxi? I don't even know where to begin with these conversations. They make me so upset, mm-hmm. you know, cars mm-hmm. driving away while doors are still open because yep. they simply refuse uh, it just never ends, it seems. Or them pulling up, taking another fare, or I, I just can't imagine because people act like it's new and all companies or, mm. or organizations could say, well, we'll have to revisit our training. Are you, are you kidding me? Was that the briefest section or just before lunch when everybody had their minds on leaving to go eat that you discussed accessibility and uh, not refusing persons with canes or dogs? Paul, going to be a good topic, we're sure, on the program. Thanks a lot, Kai. Take care. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you, Paul Daniel, tomorrow on the program. Paul joins us to tee up now with Dave Brown, available on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. in the morning. Also, you can find it as a podcast. So simply subscribe, just like to ours, folks. When you get a moment, uh, go on, look for AMI podcast. There's a whole pile of stuff there, and all of us would appreciate a uh, follow and a rating and review. Excellent show today. Again, I don't think we disappoint, Ramya, on diversity on the Monday shows. Um, never. We talk a lot and talk about a lot of different things and our contributors 
uh, faithfully keep us posted. Yeah. Well, we'll get things going again at 2. I'll catch you tomorrow. Sounds good. On Ask a Vet, Dr. Danielle Johnkine gives us a crash course on not a great topic, ladies and gentlemen, but an important topic, pet poisonings. Wellness contributor Frances Wong joins us. She's going to break down the popular pilot's, uh, pilot's workout and the benefits of the practice. Also, we chat with the Canadian Ophthalmological Society about how academic success and maintaining your eye health should be a priority as kids are back in school. The aftermath of Hurricane Fiona in Nova Scotia has resulted in much community and organizational support. Community reporter Julie Martin tells us a lot more. Let's get back in touch with our friends from W. Ross McDonald School in Brantford. We meet new students from the communications program. And on our woodworking chat, Jeff Thompson takes us through installing wood flooring and covers a floor of affordable options for the job. Meet you back here at 2 p.m. Eastern time, folks. I'm waving at you. Good night. October is probably my favorite month, fall being my favorite season. And I've expressed this on the show and here on the vanity card before. But one of the things that happened to me when we first started to shoot content for AMI-tv was the suggestion of, go out, guys, find us some stories. And at that time, these pieces were run after shows. They ran most programming on uh, what they called TAC-TV then, uh, the original AMI-tv, without commercials at first. No promos, nothing like that. So shows would end early, and they needed content. That's where we came in. And as uh, things grew across the country, you would get content from the different AMI bureaus. So I remember going out, one of the first things we shot was fall colors. Now, being colorblind and <laughs> very low vision, even at that time, over 10, what were we, almost 12 years ago, I had no concepts really of leaves and colors. So how do I talk about it? Well, as you know, we're very big on description and really getting first-person description. You hear it on the program here, whether it's Danielle McLaughlin describing something, uh, something she's seen, experienced, or that she's bringing to the show to uh, talk about with us that we need to kind of understand how come the media picks it up or people find something different and want to comment on it. So well, we went out and we went to Dorset, Ontario and shot from a tower so many of the beautiful fall leaf colors. It was a wonderful piece. I mean, when I say that, I only can say that in hindsight. Because as much as it was one of our first pieces and we were trying to learn how to do TV reporting, I was absolutely green. <laughs> and I don't mean that in pun with the fall colors. But as someone doing hosting a segment or a story as a reporter, absolutely green, stood out. And had the chance to talk to people and get them to do some description. Show some wonderful footage from what I understand. And you ask, how do I know that? Just the bosses or our own opinion, myself and my shooter at the time filming it? No. Because even once I left doing television and was starting to do Kelly and Company, about what's that now, six years ago? I had people coming up to me. And I remember particularly I was in downtown London waiting for a ride. 
And somebody came up to me and said, hi, excellent work with AMI. And I said, thank you. You know what my favorite piece was? Oh, no, tell me. Always love to hear that from people. It's exciting to talk about. Plus, it's a good reminder for me. Your piece at the Dorset Tower on the fall colors. And it's the strangest thing when you think, oh, my goodness, I was so green. It was our first piece. It was something we decided on at the last moment and just drove north and started shooting. And it was so memorable for so many people and appreciate. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.